Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast powered by the Oklahoma. And as always, the Sooners Extra Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. As always, I'm Ryan Eber here uh, with Abby Bitterman to talk a little OU football, college football playoff wrap-up, the Big 12 title game, and look at award season. And uh, Abby, let's start back with a brief look at Saturday. I think... uh, not going to say people have forgotten it, but it's certainly been av- overshadowed by everything else that's happened in the past 48 hours with uh, the, the playoff announcement, the announcement of the Heisman finalist. But at the same time, to, to win a game like that, to win a third consecutive Big 12 championship game, to win a fifth consecutive Big 12 title, the playoffs are more important, and, and Heisman trophies are, are really important as well. But... Uh, that's a heck of an accomplishment. I mean, it sure is. There, It's no doubt that, you know, this OU team has been, or not this team, but this OU kind of era, I would say, has been incredibly dominant in the Big 12. And, uh, you know, other, other teams have kind of, you know, tried to challenge them. As we've seen, there's been three different teams across the field from them in the last three Big 12 Yeah, three different teams games. from Texas. Yes. With, uh, with TCU, Texas, and Baylor the last three seasons. Texas Tech next year. <laughs> be I mean, a big, ju- be a big the, jump. The, but the, the logical leap, right? Exactly. If it's going to continue like that. Someday I think we're going to get Bedlam in, uh, in Arlington, which would be really interesting to have that. Yeah, I think, I mean... Isn't that why uh, a couple of years ago Bedlam was moved around because they thought that you know right away there'd be Bedlam yeah, it's in been Arlington? a reason they've talked about. Well, we don't want to we, we want to set it up where we're not going to have an immediate rematch, and then uh, they've gone to well, would, let's just get the best schedule possible to try to bolster the league, and then next year they've sort of gone to the not wanting to have at least an immediate rematch model. Although if OU does happen to play Texas Tech, we would have an immediate rematch as they end the regular season against each other. So, um, you know, it's a little little weird how things have gone in that realm that the Big 12 sort of bounces back and forth over how they're going to schedule. Me, I would sort of much rather them just keep Bedlam the last week of the season. Uh, It's always going to be interesting in this state it's always going to be something that a lot of people outside of the region want to watch and we're in the big 12 and you have precious few just marquee games just leave that one where it is it's also easier on people for on thanksgiving Mm -hmm. to travel um you're not having you think a lot of fans are gonna head to lubbock after on Thanksgiving weekend next year? Yeah, I mean, especially if that game happens to get moved up to Friday. I mean, I I hope that Kegels is open on Friday night or on Thanksgiving night. Maybe they'll have uh, people can get some Thanksgiving steak. But, uh, yeah, I I just wish the Big 12 and sort of crazy that we got on this topic in this podcast. I know how we got here. I I wish the Big 12 would stick with uh, just, just having the rivalries as best you can have them on the last week of the season and uh, making it easy on everybody. Yeah, and I mean I I think the possibility of a of a immediate rematch is 
a little bit interesting. Yeah, Abby, let's let's go let's back. Let's get back on the to, rails though. To uh, what we were talking about after the game on Saturday, Oklahoma lost three players to injury that we know about. The Kennedy Brooks there at the end, and Adrian Ely a little bit earlier, and uh, Brennan Radley Hiles uh, earlier in the game as well. I asked Lincoln Riley, well, I, I didn't ask Lincoln Riley about two of the guys. I, I believe it was Tyler Palmatier, a good friend at the Norman Transcript, asked on the teleconference uh, on Sunday about Brooks and, and Radley Hiles. I followed up with a question about Ely. He said that they w- there wouldn't be an update in the middle of the week uh, or there wouldn't be an update until later in the week, although we're not going to talk to him, so – He's not going to say anything until next week probably, and then who knows what he'll say when he does because it's, I think it's pretty well proven that as it's Lincoln Riley can't exactly be trusted when he talks to us about injuries, which is fine. Um, but which one of those would be the biggest loss if they're not able to play in the, the uh, Peach Bowl against LSU? I mean, they've all been pretty key for OU lately. Um, Radley Hiles has made some big defensive plays, but I think that I would have to say Kennedy Brooks, just with the way they've been running the offense, he's been he's been a big part of that, and you know, just really key in the in the more grind mentality that they've had lately. Yeah, you know, Kennedy Brooks has has been fantastic, and. He has been a massive part of them being able to run the ball effectively the way they were. But I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say – I'm going to put Brooks third, actually, out of those three. Interesting. I'm going to say Adrian Ely is the most important. I mean, you saw how much Oklahoma struggled to protect uh, on Saturday as as Adrian Ely was first banged up. I think he got hurt pretty significantly Mm -hmm. before he left the game. And then after he left the game, they did get better. Um, but I think Adrian Ely has been so good this year on on that side that uh, he is massively valuable. And but the depth that they have there, the depth that they have at uh, nickel that spot with with Buki, I think that to me makes them more valuable in this game, especially. With Buki, what you look at what LSU has receiving wise, and mm-hmm. I know he struggled some, but he's a lot better than their second options there, their next options. And, um, you know, I know Justin Brawls, I think, has come on and, and done, done decently, but I think the depth at those positions versus what you see at running back, where you've got Ramondre Stevenson and TJ Pledger. Now, yes, neither of those guys can be Kennedy Brooks and do what Brooks does. Not many people can, but you still feel pretty good about rolling those two guys out there, especially Stevenson right now. After oh yeah, especially what, what he did in done. overtime. So uh, yeah, I, I think they're all sort of critical losses, but uh, I think if you're going to pick like one guy to get back, I, I think it would be probably Adrian Ely. That's fair. I think I again like you said all three are pretty are pretty key. So Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens though as as Oklahoma gets bowl practices kicked up uh next week. This week coaches are out on the road, road recruiting for the most part. Uh always be recruiting. Lincoln Riley uh 
lost the week of recruiting pretty much. Yep. Uh, they did do some different things during the preparation for the Big 12 title game. We're able to get out on the road, but with signing day coming up uh, next week, that's going to be really important to uh, get out there and try to close out this class in a strong way. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I think we've talked about before, but Lincoln Riley talked about, you know, how kind of detrimental it was that they kind of they, – they did their best, but they – missed a good portion of that week but he also pointed out that he thinks he that the players they're recruiting know why they were maybe able to get out there right and and you're able to reach out to them obviously and and do some different things there but uh it'll be interesting to see how they close out this recruiting class because i think this is going to be a really important one for alex grinch especially there's only Mm -hmm. one guy on this roster currently who was recruited by Alex Grinch after Grinch took over as defensive coordinator. And that's David Aguegbu, who's turned out to be a pretty good player for him here in the end. So I, I think as Alex Grinch gets more of his guys coming in, it's going to be much easier to implement what he wants to do defensively. Obviously, they made a massive jump from last year to this year, but I no think doubt. that that has a chance to continue if he's able to close out this recruiting class strong. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but they still have they still have room to get a get some more people, right? Yeah, yeah, they still have some spots. I'm not sure the exact numbers, but especially with all these guys that they've had enter the transfer portal this year, you anticipate them losing a couple more uh you anticipate Kenneth Murray, Creed Humphrey, CD Lamb, those guys leaving early. There's mm-hmm. always one or two sort of surprises amongst guys who leave. So it'll be interesting to follow. But, yeah, they've still got some spots. Um, you know, we'll see if they wind up doing anything at quarterback. I'm not convinced that they're going to bring somebody in. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of OU fans who sort of freaked out. I think it was a Monday when the thought of bringing in Utah State's quarterback came up. And they're like, ah, we don't want Utah State's quarterback. But I don't necessarily think, even if they bring in a grad transfer, it's to to it's not like a Jalen Hurts situation where it's come in and you're going to be the starter. Yeah. And regardless of anything Lincoln Riley said, Jalen Hurts was the starter when he arrived on campus. We just saw that in the way he carried himself. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Maybe you bring in a grad transfer who can push Spencer Rattler. You bring in a grad transfer who can... Uh, be okay with initially being a backup to Spencer Rattler. Um, but with the depth that they have at quarterback right now, which is not a ton, not a right ton. now with no no quarterback committed in the 2020 class, they've got Spencer Rattler and Tanner Mordecai, and that's it. So you'd like to have one more there to uh, at, at least – fill out the room a little bit, make you feel good if one of those guys goes down with an injury because Oklahoma has been fantastically lucky over the past few years with Baker Mayfield, uh, Kyler Murray, and now Jalen Hurts at keeping them healthy. Mm -hmm. And if you're not able to do that, then things get really dicey really quickly. It's weird to think that uh, quarterback might be the position that Oklahoma has the – has the most struggles with depth-wise, but 
clear, yeah. to, clear to see why, though. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But we're going to take a break here on the Sooners Extra podcast. We're going to be back right after the break to talk more college football playoff, the Heisman Trophy, and all the other awards that will be given out this week. Once again, this is the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zach Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Once again, I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Bitterman. And Abby, let's talk about award season because it's coming up uh, right now. You've written a ton of notes about semifinalists and finalists <laughs> and everything Everyone else. was a semifinalist for everything. Yeah. But we're going to find out uh, some awards. Let's start off. We're going to talk a little bit about all of them, but... What is the most likely award that an Oklahoma player has a chance to take home this week, either at Thursday's or at the college football award show? We're not going to say the, the sponsor unless they pay us, but uh, or Saturday's Heisman Trophy ceremony. I think that this is the easiest question you'll ask me all day and maybe is in any easy? podcast. C.D. Lamb's going to win the Bolitnikoff. I'm very certain of that. You know, I think he is. I think there's a good good shot that he does. But uh, are you discounting the Remington Trophy? So I know, think, I that think, just happened yesterday, so I haven't been... I, I think Creed Humphrey's got a chance to win that thing. Um, I'm not going to say it's definitely going to happen. There's a lot of really good centers this year. Yeah. Uh, but Creed Humphrey's been fantastic, so... I'd probably put it on CD. I was I was mainly messing with you, <laughs> but uh, you know I, I think Creed Humphrey's got a chance. I think it's going to be really difficult for Jalen Hurts to win any of the awards that he's up for the the Maxwell, the Davy O'Brien, or of course the Heisman Trophy. I think Joe Burrow's got a chance to win those. Although uh, the Maxwell sometimes can deviate mm-hmm. away from the Heisman Trophy. So that'll be really interesting uh, to, to see what happens. But a lot of Oklahoma guys, well, not a lot of Oklahoma guys, but a, a lot of Oklahoma names in there as finalists is the reason I corrected myself there is because Jalen Hurts is up for three of those awards. So. Yes. Yeah, I think that, I mean, Joe Burrow's season has just been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I think it's, it definitely like, I think most people think he's going to win the Heisman. And I, so I would say, like you said, you know, that kind of lessens Jalen Hurts' chances of winning any of those others. Yeah, I, I absolutely. But there's some other awards that are not being announced this week that, uh, Jalen Hurts is up for that Joe Burrow can't win. So. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The uh, what is it? The Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award is that that correct? I yes. always get the order of all those words confused a little bit. It's very long. Um, but which is the best player from Texas? It's from Texas, playing for a Texas school, or went to a Texas JUCO. Basically, um, I think Jalen Hurts has a great shot of that. Was C.D. Lamb a finalist for that that uh, award too? I can't remember. Um. He was definitely a semifinalist. I have literally written so many notes on semifinalists and finalists. 
that I it's hard to keep it straight. But uh, Joe Burrow's from Ohio, so he cannot win it. Yeah, this is true. As, as close as LSU is to Texas, it doesn't, doesn't count. Uh, doesn't quite qualify for that. Yep. Uh, but C.D. Lamb, I'm almost certain he was a semifinalist. Um, yeah, I'm trying to uh, look here real quick, but I think Jalen Hurts has a great shot at winning that award. You know, uh, w- let's talk about the Heisman Trophy yes. here for for a little bit. Uh, surprised at all that Jalen Hurts was named a finalist? Um. By the way, okay, I'm sorry. T- I'm going to take a break. Finalists for the uh, Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award aren't announced until December seventeenth. Oh, okay. Well, so then your calendar that we couldn't have known if CeeDee Lamb was a, was a finalist. Um, no, but uh, I don't think I was super surprised. I feel like, I don't know, there was this kind of, there was kind of this feeling that like he'll probably be a finalist, but not with like a strong shot of getting it. But uh, I think, you know, as, as Jenny kind of wrote, Jenny Carlson, uh, the excitement is was more in who's going to go. Yeah, I, there' little doubt about that. Um, you know, I think it's easy for those of us who watch every play of OU and and hang on to every result to sort of uh, dismiss some of the good and the bad sort of gets magnified, mm-hmm. you know, the, the interceptions, the, you know, the, certainly the one on Saturday against Baylor, the, the fumbles, things like that. But this guy still had a fantastic season. When you look at the numbers, the touchdowns he was able to create, the, the running that he was able to do, the way that that changed, the way that defenses were able to attack Oklahoma was really important. So I think this would maybe serve as a reminder to Oklahoma fans as much as anything how lucky that they've been to to be able to to witness this and and to see this to go from I mean in what is essentially a rebuilding season. Yeah. In everything that you're you know you talk about replacing your quarterback and you don't have an established guy before Jalen Hurts decides to come here, replacing four out of your five offensive linemen uh overhauling the defense in a massive way with Alex Grinch. All of those things for Oklahoma pointed to a rebuilding year. And even in their rebuilding year, in a lot of ways because of Jalen Hurts, here they are in the college football playoff, which is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm writing about this for Wednesday's paper, but Jalen Hurts's year – uh, is pretty comparable to the Heisman Trophy winning years of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Through through 13 games, Jalen Hurts has averaged more yards per game than Baker Mayfield did through 13 games, um, and about on par with Kyler Murray. Um, he has less uh, passing yards than both of them, but far exceeds uh, Baker Mayfield and is a little bit ahead of Kyler er, – well, about 300 yards ahead of where <laughs> Kyler Murray was. Um, and so he's, I mean, and it's I a, di- it's a different, it's, 
I think the reason it feels different and maybe surprising is because it's not the flash and the pop and the style that Oklahoma's offense had under Baker and under Kyler. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts has still found ways to – it's it's really – they are now the number two offense in the country because LSU has uh, two more offensive yards <laughs> Yeah, than Oklahoma, and we're talking about yards per game yes. when we talk about that offensive metric. Oh, yes. Sorry. Uh, Didn't mention that. Yeah. Read the writer's block. I wrote per game. I just didn't say (laughs) per game out loud. I know. I'm just messing with you, Abby. Uh, But, yeah, Jalen Hurts has has been uh, really good. Just doesn't have the same swagger or flashiness that Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray had. But still, the fact that he's going to New York says a lot about this program. Oklahoma, since finalists were started being a thing in 1981, has had uh, the most of them of any program, starting with, I think, Brian Bosworth was the for- first Sooner to go in 84. Uh, so to, to get to this level again and to have a guy finish in the top four is pretty incredible. I think there's a good chance that Jalen Hurts finishes second because you look at uh, Justin Fields and Chase Young, the other two uh, finalists, those guys are both ones who play for Ohio State, and I think they're going to split the vote a little bit, and there's going to be – that's going to result in Jalen Hurts rising. Yeah, I think you're definitely looking at like a Baker Mayfield, D.D. Westbrook situation there. Yeah, but – I think Joe Burrow is going to win. I'm not sure it's going to be the biggest landslide in uh, Heisman history. I don't know if he's going to top the amount of first-place votes that O.J. Simpson had, who I I believe is still the leader all-time in first-place votes. But it's going to be really interesting to see the vote total, how it breaks down, and, uh, you know, who winds up um, coming in second there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I forgot. My, I think those are all the awards, right? Those are all the awards. When do they uh, announce the holder of the year? I think it's like, I unless it's changed, I think it's part of the uh, red carpet special on ESPNU the hour before. I didn't but see it on there, well, but, you could, not a, but you could be right. It's, again, Abby, it's not Maybe an official award. Maybe because it's award. not an official award. It's just, uh, but they like to have fun with it. I just, so. the concept of someone creating their own award the, and then people actually recognizing it, yeah, I find so amusing. The, the best thing about the, uh, Abby's talking about the Pete Mortel Holder of the Year Award. The best thing about that is the uh, acceptance speeches. So we'll see if... Uh, Connor McGinnis is giving that speech again. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple years ago, Austin Seibert was really heavily involved in the video, I think. And uh, I think it was Seibert and Horky, Wesley Horky, yes. that uh, were involved in the video. We'll that see video if- may have been one of the best award campaigns OU's ever done. Oh, there's no doubt about it. So we'll see if uh, Gabe Burkich and Casey Kelleher are uh, making a prominent appearance as well. You know, when I was on the field after the game on Saturday, I saw the trophy, the base of the trophy sitting there on the field, and I took a picture of it and, and tweeted it out. Nobody pointed out, and I didn't think about it at the time, but 
uh, sort of thought about it later. The football wasn't on the trophy. The, the trophy has like a, a metal football on the top of it. It's not, uh, not quite like the crystal football from the old uh, BCS championship, but um, sort of similar. The football wasn't on the trophy. Well, it turns out when I got home that night or got back to my hotel that night, looked around Twitter, apparently Connor McGinnis had the football at the time. He was holding it. And was holding it and uh, posted it on Twitter and, and uh, said something about that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, Still weird that they would just leave the base in the middle of the field. Yeah, with nobody guarding, like, you know, I'm not going to pick up the trophy and walk off with it, but... Somebody could have tripped. Somebody could have, because there's a lot of people on the field. Somebody could have walked off with it. Somebody very important could have tripped. Yeah. I mean, can you, yeah. Can a lot you imagine of hazards. If, can you imagine if Jalen Hurts trips over the Big 12 <laughs> championship trophy base while it's on the field and blows out a knee or something? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it uh, would not have been good. But, hey, we're going to take another break. Uh, if you could... Go give us a review at the the Google Podcasts app, at Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to the Sooners Extra Podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber. Here with Abby Bitterman and uh, Abby, let's talk college football playoff. Finally, let's do it. Still got a couple weeks until uh, the Sooners head to Atlanta. I think they arrive on December twenty third to face LSU. But this is a venue that is up there with AT and T Stadium as the uh, probably the best venue in America for football. So, really looking forward to to seeing that place. Um, to, to seeing spending some time in Atlanta, never been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I I'm, I've been on the record of saying I I was rooting for Phoenix out of the two playoff locales, but we're gonna make the best of it because uh, honestly, a few years ago in the NCAA tournament, I think uh, let's see what it would have been 16, 2014 when I talk about the NCAA basketball tournament was covering. Buddy Heald and the Oklahoma Sooners, Buddy's sophomore year, they make the NCAA tournament. There's all these great locations for the first round, including San Diego and a couple others that I really would have liked to have gone to. There was only one, I I believe, that I had no desire to go to. And, of course. And it was Spokane, Washington. Oklahoma gets sent to Spokane, and my first reaction is to groan and uh, I got to go to Spokane, Washington. It turns out Spokane, Washington was fantastic. I loved it. It was uh, a cool setting there in downtown with the, the arena right across the river from where the, the main downtown area is. I actually walked um, about a mile to the game from my hotel. I walked in the snow with just a dress shirt on and Uphill i wasn't both freezing because it what's that 
Nothing. Keep no, going. No, I it was no. <laughs> this I'm, I'm this isn't actually a gripe. This is a yeah. absolutely a compliment. I wasn't freezing. It was snowing outside, but it was above freezing, which is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And uh, a really cool setting with uh, the river that runs right through Spokane. So my point is. I don't know a lot about Atlanta other than uh, I've been through the airport there a few times and had one really weird experience there as I wound up in, I think we wound up being in six airports in one day. Too many. to sprint through the Atlanta airport to get to uh, our flight to, I think it was to Houston, and then I had to Houston to, to Oklahoma City after we had some travel issues that uh led to us getting a having to take a extra leg and also landing in nashville which we had not scheduled to land in nashville because we couldn't land in atlanta initially for some reason i can't remember exactly what was going on there so we had to land in nashville because there wasn't enough fuel for us to just circle around for a long time but the point is i'm i'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the town outside of just the airport. Outside the airport. Um, one of the things I'm really looking forward to um, is the College Football Hall of Fame, oh, yeah. which is in Atlanta. Obviously, uh, quite a few Oklahoma Sooners inducted uh, into the College Football Hall of Fame, including uh, soon-to-be Ricky Dixon, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Um, so, so that's going to be fun. And I'm actually got a, a tour scheduled, uh, planning on writing a, a little bit about it. And they're going to show me some of the archives, the stuff that's not on display, uh, for, from the, that involves OU football. So that's really cool. That'll, it'll be interesting to see the stuff that's on display. And obviously some of the stuff that they have that they either haven't found a place for yet, or that's sort of in a rotation, of things so so look out for that everyone yeah it will be really neat i I think uh, i'm gonna get a chance to do that on december 22nd the day i arrive and uh hopefully get that posted either that night or or on december 23rd to give ou fans going to atlanta going to the college football playoff something to uh check out another thing about this game if you're going to atlanta and you're an ou basketball fan at all yep you got to check out Trey Young because he's been phenomenal this year. He's been popping um, off. He's probably one of the most, I think, uh, I'm not going to say he's, he's one of the best players in the NBA to this point, although certainly I think he's better than a lot of people anticipated at the NBA level. And uh, But he's certainly one of the most exciting. And the day before the Peach Bowl, Trey Young's Atlanta Hawks are going to go head-to-head with another of the most exciting players in the NBA in Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. So um, that's something worth checking out if you're if you're going to Atlanta. Brave of you for trying to for pronouncing the name. And I, I think his name sort of at this point, people who follow the NBA at all, and I, I got to admit I don't follow it religiously, but I know enough to be able to say Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, it, I, it's like for me it's like one of those words where it's like I know how it's supposed to sound and I just can't make I can't get my mouth to do it you can't make those sounds no like uh, me uh, with huge yes like uh, you did with Houston too it's like the H-U yeah it's the H-U sound kills me 
Yep. And no matter how much I try to pronounce that H, it just doesn't happen for mm-hmm. me. So we'll see about that. But anyway, Abby, uh, let's talk about this game for a yep. little bit. Um, I thought that this was the best case scenario for Oklahoma. I mentioned it on their post-game podcast. We talked about it quite a bit. But to me, if you're Oklahoma, this is the matchup you wanted it's not easy playing LSU, certainly playing LSU in the heart of SEC country in Atlanta. But I think you'd much rather play LSU than you would Ohio State or Clemson at this point. I think so, too. Um, I mean, LSU's, LSU is weaker on defense, um, has, has an offense, at least production-wise, that is almost exactly equal to OU's. Um, and so I think that... I think that it's a very good matchup for OU. Um, also, LSU being the one seed, just a fun fact, the one seed in the college football playoff era never won. Never won the national title. Yeah. So, so LSU's got, got that going <laughs> against it, I guess. Yeah. So some someday the number one's going to win. The four has won. The four has won. As we saw a few years ago when uh, – was it, it was the first one, right, when uh, TCU and Baylor got left out yep. in favor of Ohio State and everybody sort of the gnashing of the teeth in the Big 12. Uh, and then Ohio State wins up going and winning the thing. So we'll see what happens. I think that this Oklahoma team has a better shot to win a playoff game and to possibly win a national title than any of the other ones that have gone because of what their defense is right now. Their offense is not as good. They're not as explosive. They're still really good. But this defense gives them a chance, I think, in any game. Yeah, I think I – think, I mean, I don't just think. I know I've seen the defense give them opportunities to win games, which, again, wildly different than the last two years in the college football playoff. And I think, I think that it really – I think that it really showed – against Alabama, against Georgia, uh, they were almost able to overcome it. But, um, yeah, I think that – well, I think I completely agree with you. I think that this might be OU's best shot in of the times it's gone to actually win one. Yeah, there's, uh, in my mind, little doubt about that. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens on uh, – December 28th down there at the Peach Bowl. Um, I think Oklahoma's going to need C.D. Lamb to be really effective in this game and uh, to, to play a big role. C.D. Lamb was fantastic um, on Saturday in the Big 12 championship game. I thought he showed the explosiveness that I had been missing a little bit from his game over the last few weeks. And in my mind, we I know we talked about awards earlier, but uh, I, the only award I really vote for is the Bolitnikoff one for wide receivers. And I had held off on, on sending in that ballot um, because of the finish of the season on, on C.D. Lamb and the way that he had not disappeared but hadn't contributed uh, nearly as much the last few weeks as he did before missing that Baylor game. But after what I saw on Saturday, it was a quick pick to uh, vote C.D. Lamb, number one, the great LSU receiver, number two, and the USC's guy, number three. Yeah, I th- and I think I don't, I don't get a vote. 
no one's ever asked me to vote for anything, <laughs> but I agree with that order. Someday it'll come, Abby. But uh, we're going to wrap it up right there on the Sooners Extra podcast. Uh, we're we're going to this is going to be our only podcast for this week. We're going to be back next week with another podcast. And then uh, heading to Atlanta, we'll have some podcasts. Uh, we'll see about every day, every other day, something like that. Hopefully, uh, have quite a few to fire out at you in that final week before the peach bowl to give you something to listen to, but really appreciate it. You can reach out to me R a B E R at Oklahoman.com or on Twitter at R Y a B E R. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at Abby underscore bitterman and through email a bitterman at Oklahoman.com. Once again, the Sooners extra podcast as always is presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. You can check out our work every day at News OK. Every day at, I said it, it's been a while. This is the second time I've done it. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere. Anywhere.